Welcome to Growing in Grace with Associate Pastor Josh Shell. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Josh gives today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you guys. Um, I hope you guys have had as good of a week as you possibly can. Um, as you guys have heard, many there are several in our churches or in our church today that are are hurting because of loss of loved ones, and and so it's been a heavy week in a lot of ways. But I also pray that there's has been a good week. Uh, I was, rem- I mean, I constantly try to remind myself as I wake up in the morning that today is the day that the Lord has made. So we must what? Rejoice and be glad in it, right? We're going to be wrapping up our series in the book of Galatians. So if you guys want to get your Bibles out and turn to the last chapter, the last verses of Galatians, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. All right, so now I'm actually going to ask you guys stand with me as we read these words. I did it backwards today to keep you guys on your toes. As you guys stand, you get it? There you go. All right. So verses 11 through 18 of chapter 6. Here we go. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who would force you to be circumcised and only in, uh, sorry, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Thank you. You guys may be seated. So again, just to kind of help set the, the, the tone of what we're fixing to look at within the closing remarks of Paul here is that he has been putting, first off, Paul's in prison. He's chained. He is probably delivering this message to a scribe or to a secretary as he is fixing to go before the, Jerus- the council of Jerusalem. Okay, So he's not sitting here in the church in an office saying, hmm, dear brothers in Christ in the churches of Galatia, sitting comfortably. He is chained in prison. And he is giving his heart to these people. He says, I am hearing what's going on in your church and it is breaking my heart because as a dear brother in Christ, I love you and I don't want to see you go down this path that leads to destruction. And so we get this picture as he starts writing these last few verses here because like I said, again, he's probably had a scribe or a secretary 
writing these words down for him. And now we see here in verse 11, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. So Paul says, enough's enough. It's time for me to put my signature in this letter. I want them to see the passion that I have for them. And I want them to see the love in which I have for them. So he is taking the pen himself and he is writing it down. He's making a, a distinction there. So there's a few we could get into this and we could talk about this. There's a few things that many scholars are talking about here when he says um, these words with what large letters I'm writing to you. Um, some people believe that it goes back to what he talked about in Galatians chapter four, where he was talking about how he had an ailment. And some people believe that his ailment was his eyes and how he had this, whether it was this eye infection or, or disease where his eyes would be, you know, create pus. And to where he couldn't see. So he literally had to write in large letters to see what he was writing. Right? Or some people believe that it was just out of emphasizing his heart. Regardless of, what, of, of why he's writing in large letters, the reality is, is that I would go with the latter here. Is that he is passionately writing to these people saying, wake up. I need you to hear what I'm saying. And the other thing that was also going on at this time, this was an interesting fact, is that there was actually falsified documents being circulated among the churches by, the, by uh, men who forged apostles' signatures. So there was falsified documents going around that were, being saw, that were being signed by the apostles that were actually not them who signed them. So for Paul to do this, this is him putting his imprint on the letter. He's saying, this is truly me. You can believe what I'm saying. You can believe the testimony I gave to you early on in this letter about what Christ did for me and in me and through me and what I continue to do today. So when we read these verses, we need to understand that this is Paul putting his imprint on this letter and emphasizing what he's trying to say to these churches. And there's three things I want us to pull out of this as we work through it. And it is that Paul is reminding the Galatians of what it means to live a gospel-centered life or a cross-centered life or a Jesus-centered life, not a law-centered life, not a religious-centered life, not a First Baptist-centered life. Y'all catching this? Do I need to continue? You sure? A gospel-centered life. One that is truly about the gospel of Jesus alone. And what I mean by the gospel, by the way, is the good news of Jesus. That he came, that he died, and that he rose again. And that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we now have access to the Father. We now have salvation through Christ. Not through anything else. So when I say gospel, that's what I mean. Not this American gospel, which we, many people follow after. So, but the first thing I want us to see here is in verses 12 through 13. And, and the first thing I want that Paul talks about here is that a gospel-centered life is humble. Is humble. I mean, just look at what he's addressing there. He's addressing those false brothers that he mentioned back in chapters 2 and 3, where he says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. So the purpose of them, you got to, so we, those who he's talking about are the Judaizers. You guys remember who the Judaizers are, right? The, the Jewish converts to Christianity. 
who, who, when they came to Christianity, they're not just bringing themselves, they're bringing all the Jewish law and the Jewish regulation and then all the tradition. And what their goal is, is to not just bring the gospel with them, but all of these laws with them and force them onto the Gentiles. By the way, if I'm speaking too fast, somebody say, slow down. Cool. Thank you. Um, but all that to say is that these, when he, so the, those that he's talking about are these Judaizers. And he's saying that uh, those who want to make a good showing in the flesh would force you to be circumcised. So he said it's not just about the gospel, it's about making them look good in front of other people. They're more worried about themselves than the actual Messiah, than the actual good news of Jesus. And he goes on in the second half of that verse and says, and, and, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Paul punches them in the gut right here. Now we see the true underlying issue of these Judaizers. They are afraid of what is to come when they follow Christ. And many of us in our churches today are in the same position. They are afraid of being persecuted. They are more ashamed of, of Jesus than they are about the, what they are doing in deceiving people. They care more about man's opinion and man's rules and laws and regulations than they are about the freedom and the gift that they have in Jesus. So they would rather force a false gospel on the people than to follow the true gospel and bring those people to life. They would rather force people into death than to bring them into life because they are more afraid of what other people think. Sorry, I'm getting high. But we see a glimpse of this back in chapter two again with Peter. Y'all remember what happened with Peter when Paul was sitting there having a nice lunch with them? As Victor said, he would probably eat barbecue sandwiches. <laughs> While they're sitting there eating, some of these Jewish Christians walk in, these Judaizers, and what does Peter do? Because he's eating with the Gentiles, he's like, oh no. I want to back off and I want to set myself apart from this so that way these Judaizers don't look at me and judge me and, and condemn me and, and say that I am a bad Jew. Versus staying true to the gospel and what the gospel is meant to do and that is to unify us in Christ. Because again, if it wasn't for Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, none of us would be a part of God's family. Unless you're part of the Jewish bloodline. I'm not one of them. So, praise God, right? So again, we see what the Judaizers are doing and Paul is addressing them here and he is just encouraging the church. He says, do not be like these people. Remain humble in Christ. Remain in what Christ has called you to do and that is to love, and that is to serve, and that is to, to honor God, in everything you do, do not abide by these man-made regulations. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Back in Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Do not again submit again to a yoke of slavery.
Sorry, my iPad keeps going black. Which leads, oh, and then it ultimately comes back to Ephesians 2.8. I didn't want to finish this point without reading this. Ephesians 2.8.9. We all know it. We all love it. But man, does it ring true today, right? Y'all can read it with me. It's up there on the screen. Y'all ready? One, two, three. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. So that what? No man may boast. No man may boast. So again, a gospel-centered life is not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the gospel and what it has done for you. And it is not so that you can boast for your, by your own works, but rather so that you can boast in the cross. So you can boast in Jesus, which is the second point here that Paul makes in verses 14 and 16, is that a gospel-centered life boasts in the cross. In the cross. Goes in verse 14, says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, what we're seeing here is Paul is, is flipping this uh, image around for us, right? So the Jews, they're seeing Paul and they're saying that guy is foolish because of, the, the, because of what he is pursuing after. Because you've got to remember the cross in, in context of what is happening was not something that was welcomed. Remember, what was the cross used for? It was a torturing device. A modern day electric chair. I don't see people walking around wearing electric chairs on their necks, but I see a lot of people wearing crosses. But back then they did not boast in that because of what it represented. It represented persecution. It represented pain and suffering. It represented that you did something bad that made you get put on the cross. So going back to verse 13, where it talks about how they were, uh, they were afraid, these Judaizers being, uh, were afraid of being persecuted. They weren't only just afraid of being persecuted by the Jews, but they were afraid of being persecuted by the Romans. And the reason why they chose to fall under this umbrella of the Judaizers is because Judaism was a recognized religion among the Roman Empire, but Christianity was not. And so if they were to walk around and boast in the cross of Christ, like Paul's doing, guess what the result would have been? Persecution, just like Paul experienced. So I'm just gonna pause right here. I'm just gonna ask all of you straightforward right now, if you love Jesus, are you willing to be persecuted for Christ? Because there will be a day where it will come. I will confess, personally, I have not experienced persecution for my faith. Sure, I've had some verbal altercations, debates, but I personally have not been persecuted. But I am also very aware that there will be a day where I probably will face it. And I pray that I will stand proudly and boast in the cross of Christ. And I pray you guys will do the same. Because it's in those moments where the light of Jesus truly shines into the world. And people see the gospel for what it is. 
So he goes on in verse 15, though. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So again, he is readdressing the, the issue uh, of which the Judaizers are bringing into the church, and that is the rules and laws of, Jew, uh, of, the, of the Jewish tradition. He said, it's no longer about circumcision nor uncircumcision. It's no longer a physical thing that is the issue here, but rather it is a new creation. It's a heart issue. You know, going back to 1 Corinthians, he says, uh, with this idea of new creation, um, he says, uh, oh goodness, my mind just went blank. Bear with me. Anybody? First, first screen, we're talking about new creation. Uh, for the oldest passed away, the new has come. There you go. Okay, great. Y'all know what I'm talking about here. Well, some of y'all may. Um, <clears throat> but all that to say, though, is that <laughs> I'm so sorry. My mind just went. Yeah, do y'all have foggy moments like that? Okay, I'm not the only one. Perfect. So, <clears throat> but he says, it's no longer about the physical transformation, okay? So it's no longer about this Old Covenant, Old Testament idea of circumcision, but rather it's about the transformed life and heart of a person being from, brought from death to life spiritually, not physically. It goes on, and this is not the reference I was trying to make here, but 1 Corinthians 1, and 23 says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we, Christians, preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. So we, as Christians, we boast and we and preach Christ crucified. This new transformative message that brings people from death to life. That is what we boast in. So when, we, when I said we boast in the cross, that's what we're boasting in. Life. And it's only found in Jesus. And again, it ultimately, uh, you can see this also back in Galatians 2.20 where it says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. Right? So this, new, this idea of this new life in Christ. And he goes to verse 16, he says, And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon you. Be upon you and upon the Israel of God. Now, this is kind of a confusing verse because when, when Paul talks about here, when he says, and upon the Israel of God, he's not talking about God's chosen people right there anymore. What he's talking about is the, 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 the old school traditional Jews. He says, by us who live in the transformative life of Jesus, peace and mercy be on you. And as a result of it being on you, may you spread it to them. Again, you guys, those of us who are in Christ have been brought from death to life. We have the key to life. And there is many people out there who think they have life and they're walking in death and they need that key. They need to be brought back in to life or brought to life. So he says, verse 16, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. May God show peace and mercy to those who are not walking within him by us who are walking within him. May we be his messengers. Which leads me to the last point here, 
in verses 17 and 18, the third thing about a gospel-centered life is that a gospel-centered life not only is humble, not only does it boast in the cross, but it bears the marks of Jesus. Again, I personally have not ever been persecuted. So do I physically bear the marks of Jesus? No. But there probably will be a day where it will come. However, one thing I do bear is the thumbprint and the image of Christ. And it is, a, it is offensive. And people don't agree with it. Hey, am I wrong in that? The gospel message is offensive to those around us who do not believe in Jesus. And is, as we go and we share grace and mercy and peace and love of Jesus to those around us, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come back against it. And we have to be ready to continue to demonstrate love and joy and peace to them. And we have to be ready to, to, uh, to, to bear what that brings upon us. So we may not have physical marks of Jesus like what Paul does. But spiritually and emotionally, it, it weighs on us. I don't know about you guys, but my friends and family who don't know Jesus, they weigh heavy on me. If we are not burdened by the lost loved ones in our life, we need to question our own heart and how where we stand in the gospel. Because again, if it wasn't for someone loving me so much that they would pour their life into me and pour the gospel into me, I would not be here today. And I would not have this new life that I have in Christ. So if we're not burdened for our, our community and our loved ones in our life to share the gospel with them, despite whatever they may bring back on us, we need to check the condition of our hearts. But going to verse 17 here, though, it says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I'm not worried about what the world thinks of me. I don't care about what the Judaizers say. I don't care about uh, what the religious people say. I just care about what Christ has called me to do. And he, and what, what, what Jesus called Paul to do, and what he now calls us to do is to take this gospel message and to go and to share it and to preach it and to proclaim it to all the world, to our, our communities, to our state, to our nation, to other countries called to go and to share it. But again, many of us go, are just like the Judaizers and we are afraid of the potential persecution that will come. And Paul is, is again, we see this spiritual father who is probably weak and worn out and, and, and he's in chains and he's taking that pen he says, I'm going to write this to you guys in such a way that I hope it pierces your soul. That you understand the weight and the, and the magnitude of what it means to follow Jesus. That you will not be ashamed of it, that you will not be afraid of it, but rather that you will pick up your cross proudly. And that you will follow after Jesus living a life of humility and out of love and out of submission and obedience to the cross. Do not be swayed by the things of this world is what he's saying. But rather, remain in the cross. 
remain in the gospel and allow Jesus to be your source of life and of truth. And in Paul's fashion here in verse 18, he concludes this letter in the same way in which he started it. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Be with your spirit. So the letter started by grace. Now it's ending in grace. And Paul is encouraging us to remain in grace. Because again, salvation is only received by grace through faith in Christ alone, not by works. I'm going to have the musicians come back up if they're not already up here. Some of them are already up here. But as we go into this time of invitation, I pray that you guys, as we wrap up this letter in Galatians, one, that you guys will continually read it, that you won't just read it once and stop. Every time I read this letter, I feel like Paul is readdressing something that's going on in my life. But I don't know where you guys are at right now in your, in your personal life. Some of you guys uh, have been burned by the church. Some of you guys have been hurt. You feel like you've been judged. You feel like you've been ostracized. That's why I have my shirt untucked today. I don't care. But let me tell you something. The church is imperfect. We are all imperfect. There's only one who's perfect and there's only one who can truly show grace and mercy and compassion. And that is Jesus himself. Do not let the weight and the expectation of people weigh you down to, and, and do not let that keep you from coming to know Jesus today. I pray that if, if you have been hurt by the church, that one, that you'll forgive us. I ask on behalf of the church to forgive us. That you will not hesitate, but that you'll come and that you will just truly surrender to Jesus and that you'll start your relationship with him today. Now, there's some of you in the room who, who believe that you're following Jesus, but you're just like the Judaizers. You think by coming to church and reading your Bible and doing all these things on this list that you are good. I'm not gonna lie, I find myself going that direction a lot. That by doing the list, I am good. But I was humbled this week, and as we've been going through this letter, that. It is by grace that I am saved, not by this list. So I pray that if that's any of you in this room, so that, you'll, that you'll address that, that you'll surrender that, that you'll put that to death today, that you'll allow Jesus to have full reign. It's rodeo season, everybody. So that you'll have, let Jesus have full reign of your life today. And then, last category here, y'all ready? Then there's people in here who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who are on fire for Jesus, but you're just sitting in the pew. Guys, we are called to go and to share the gospel. People wonder why the churches, is, why churches are becoming more empty. You wanna know why? Because the laborers are few people. You can't expect the church to grow and to flourish if no one's willing to go and do the hard work. Again, speaking on behalf of all pastors across the United States, 
and the nation and the world, there's only so much we can do. The reality is we're called to equip you guys so that you guys can go to the work. But that hurt, didn't it? So I pray that we will, that as we conclude this message, as we conclude this letter, that we will heed what Paul is saying and, and that we will not fall into this, this false gospel, this, this, this deceiving message, and that we will cling to the true message of Jesus and allow it to spur us on in faith and hope and love and to share the good news. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys for enduring. I'm off my pedestal. Okay. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to go into a time of invitation. If anybody has anything that you need to bring before the, the Lord, come down, pray. If you need to come talk to me or Victor, come talk. We would love to uh, visit with you. So let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your message and for your word. God, we thank you for the fact that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I pray that we will just heed Paul's warning as he was writing to the churches of Galatia, this message that still rings true to us today, that we uh, fight against the false gospels that are around us, that we, tr that we cling to the true gospel of Jesus, that it is salvation is received by grace alone and faith alone through your son Jesus alone. And that we will be bold in proclaiming this good news. And that when the, when the time comes and, and we stand before your throne, God, that we will not be at all ashamed of the things that we didn't do, but rather we can boast in the things in which you did through us, like, like Paul did. God, may we be bold in walking in you and remaining faithful to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.